What's today? What's today? It's National Bee Day. Join us as we talk to Roger about the birds and the bees. We just talk about the bees. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Ram Horse Fencing Installs, the one-stop shop for your horse farm. Ram is family-owned and operated and has been in business for over 30 years. We welcome you to call in and speak with an expert about your next project today at 866-653-8984. Again, that's 866-653-8984. Welcome to Late Night Riders. I'm Gretchen, and I'm joined by my mom, Kristen, my grandma, Debbie, and Roger. Hey, Roger. Hello. Roger, can you tell us a little bit about um, your thriving honey business? Well, I'm a local beekeeper in Fulton County, Ohio. Um, We run approximately 100 beehives all over. Um, I don't keep a lot of bees in any one spot because they need forage and there's not humongous amounts of forage in any one spot. So I have about 10 locations that I have bees at. And one of those locations happens to be your farm. Yes, we just set up three, I guess I'd say hives. Mm. Uh, Roger helped and they're doing very, very well. Yeah. So how did you get started in bees? Well, we got started, uh, my wife and I had gotten married. We lived in Toledo, but my whole family lived in Fulton County and she worked in Toledo. I was working in Waterville, so we wanted to move out to the country. And we found a place right on the edge of Fulton County. And the first year we had a garden, garden, and the watermelons wouldn't pollinate. Mm. And there was no local bees to pollinate our watermelons. So I had a friend who was a beekeeper and I asked him to train us how to do bees. So the next year we had one hive of bees and bees have a way of multiplying and you fall in love with them so <laughs> the next year we had two at the house and my uncle had a small orchard so he had a couple so we go to four hives and <laughs> then they get ready to swarm so you split them and you make more and that multiply so pretty soon you got 10 and 15 and 20 and the wife's going isn't that enough bees and it's <laughs> taking too much time and then you find that you can sell some honey to help subsidize your your um, hobby, right, <laughs> the cost. So now you got honey customers, so you got to make sure that they have honey all the time. So, you know, the, the 20 becomes maybe 30. And and several years ago, I, I lost my job, and there wasn't a lot of jobs out there that I was fond of having and mm-hmm. I told my wife I go if if I'm going to make minimum wage we might as well just do bees so we went from about 30 bees to 50 and to 100 then mm-hmm. wow. so we kind of grew organically mm-hmm. you know little by little well you probably had to because there's probably a huge learning curve in this whole thing too how many how much do you acreage do you have to have in order to have a hive oh, do you think very little uh, right now the big push is urban beekeeping and there's lots of bees in towns you know city people city bees so 
a little little lot in town you can have a couple hives bees will travel approximately two miles from my hive so mm -hmm. if i draw a two mile circle around any of my hives that's basically fair game any of the flowers in that two miles is fair mm -hmm. game for my hmm. bees <laughs> Which, in a city, you'd probably get lots of flowers, but I, I, what about the people, and how do they feel about bees? <laughs> uh, neighbors can be an issue, okay. and it's there's a learning curve there, too. Most, a lot of times, once the, the neighbors find out that the bees aren't these evil, little, stinging things, I, I swear that everybody has fallen asleep in front of the TV and woke up at 2 in the morning with the bee, honeybees taking over the world and they're stinging everything. Because we get this uh, conversation a lot, like, oh, oh my God. And I was at the state fair several years ago and they were giving honey samples out. Well, there was some stray bees in the neighborhood and they were coming over trying to get, you know, a free taste of honey and they'd fall in the jar and I'd fish them out. And the bees would be walking up and down my arms because they're so sticky they can't oh, fly. Yeah. So they got to kind of clean themselves so they can be able to fly again. And these people, their eyes are as big as saucers, <laughs> just thinking I'm going to get stung. And I go, no, until she feels threatened, she won't sting you. So, I mean, stinging is like the last defense that the bees want to do. They they really want to go work. you got to keep the neighbors happy. And usually what I tell city people or people that are going to have real close neighbors, yeah. when you get that first jar of honey, you go over there and go, hey, you know, the, the bees in my backyard made this honey, and that mm. usually soothes things over. Mm -hmm. um, bees are about like an airplane. You know, they come straight. They got like a runway and a place where they're going to fly. So you really don't want to shoot them across your neighbor's lawn or across the sidewalk. Or mm -hmm. if you have horses, you wouldn't want to shoot it, shoot them straight out through hmm. your pasture where the horses are going to be. You know, aim them. Away turn from. them. So yeah, the turn direction them. of their opening in is, there is where you. Yep, yeah, they come pretty much mm -hmm. straight in, straight out. Huh, so there's a. There's yeah. like a, a flight pattern in front of the hives where they're coming out. I wanted to ask you, too, I know um, you were talking about how you kind of got started, but did you just yourself taught then in all of this oh, with the bees? I mean, can anybody kind of just get started, or do they need to have some, did you have some <clears throat> basics or whatever that I, I I read a book, you know, the beginner okay. book, like we tell yep. everybody, read the beginner like book, did. and... Mm -hmm. And then the first time you read it, it's usually pretty Greek because there's right. a lot of terminology in right. there that you don't understand. And so you get your bees, and then you reread the book, and you reread it the next winter. It starts to make a little more sense. Then it makes mm -hmm. more sense. Mm -hmm. And I joined a local bee club. There's a lot of knowledge there. Mm -hmm. So you, you talk to people. I've been to conferences. Okay. And... and grows from there, then. It grows yeah. from there. I was in beekeeping before the internet so now yeah. with the internet i mean youtube there's a video of everything, everything. Yeah. i'm sure just mm -hmm. like horses if okay. you were in yeah. horsing Definitely. before yeah. the internet you learned a lot on your own but now it's like <laughs> yes, holy cow did. look at all this easy stuff you <laughs> right. can just watch it yeah, and exactly yeah. but i'm sure there's there, there's good and bad bee, bee videos too yeah. and there's people doing things that you just cringe that you know it's like oh that's not really the proper way to do things but mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so but yeah the internet's marvelous yeah. for you know helping teach people and mm -hmm. but the one-on-one -on -one conversations people still need and, you know yeah. we all are probably um, 
have a Facebook page that we look at, and the new the new horse people are probably <laughs> just as crazy as the new bee people, mm-hmm. and yeah. it's like mm-hmm. such a simple question, but they just mm-hmm. freak out over mm-hmm. uh, lots of little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, What's the best thing to do for people that aren't familiar with bees? Say, even if you were talking about a little bit that the they really don't want to sting you. So, what's the best thing to do if, like, you're around bees or or what's yeah? How do you kind of you know you don't want to flick them off of your well yeah yeah you don't you don't want to swat at them. Um, if you were you just try to leave them alone and just walk away. <laughs> Um, I could see where if you were trail riding someday and there happened to be a tree with some wild bees in it, like in oak openings, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the bees would probably get stuck in the horse's hair. But if it's anything like my dog, when the bee gets stuck in the hair of even people or the dog, the bee freaks out, Mm -hmm. it revs up, and it makes your dog just freak out too. And Mm -hmm. We have a dog with longer hair, and he only got ever, or she only had the bee in her hair once. And after that, the bee, the dogs know to leave the bees alone. You don't even go over by the beehive. So, but I could see where if you were riding a horse yeah. and it got caught in its mane or something, right. and it could hear buzzing, uh, it, it might not be a fun ride to. Yeah. And you just like you kill the bees as quick as possible. Um, okay, but the. Honeybees are different than other bees. Like, oh, yeah. do you know the difference between the bees and how to tell the difference between the bees? Um, well, most people are familiar with yellow jackets. Mm-hmm. Uh, yellow jackets live in the ground. They come boiling out. You know, they have an attitude, and I could see where trail riding with them that, could be a yeah, real be hazard. That's true. They they're in the wasp family, so they can sting multiple times. Mm-hmm. The honeybee only stings you once it has a barb on the end of the stinger so the stinger stays okay. like in your arm or wherever you get stung it stays there and the bee flies away and it has a little gland that pulsates and keeps putting venom in you so if you get stung by a bee and you look down and you or anything and you can see like this little hair hanging mm-hmm. on you if you that's a bee scratch it out and you'll get a lot less venom um Hmm. Do the wasps, um, you said they can sting several times? Yes. Are they crabbier than oh, yes. yellow jackets? So the yellow wasps jackets, are the ones well, yellow, kinda... yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yellow jackets are in the wasp family, so they're basically okay. a wasp mm-hmm. in the wasp. So they all can sting multiple times. They're they're more like a hypodermic needle with no, da- you know. Like a mm-hmm. barb, yeah. Yep, there's no barb, so it's yeah. like ding, 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 ding. And, of yeah. course, they all come boiling out, and they're mad, and... Mm-hmm. Beekeepers don't like the yellow jackets either because they will attack beehives. Really? And, well, there's some nice sugar in there, but but really they want the larvae because it's full of protein. Hmm. So they'll try Hmm. to raid weak hives, especially, Mm -hmm. you know, late summer, like when they're in the garbage Mm -hmm. cans and all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Mm So So those... The wasps, when you're on a, I'm thinking when we're riding our horses mm-hmm. and things like that, the best thing again to, I mean, you don't want to just slap them with your hand or what can you tell us maybe as people who ride horses, what would our best thing, you know, leave them alone, get away from them, first of all, right. I'm sure. Yep. Try to avoid them, get away if they're in, you don't want to swat at them, so just ride forward, maybe get away, and then if they keep on being persistent. Just 
keep on going. Okay. Yeah. I mean, okay. just get out of their area, and mm-hmm. eventually they will go back home to okay. defend the you know defend mm-hmm. their hive. Bees. Do they make bees, honey? Do they no. do anything? Uh, what? I don't <laughs> do know what they do. They do anything? I mean, <laughs> what do they do? They do, do? Anything? Yeah, what are they here for? Uh, do you know? Me? Uh, Why are they here? I, I yeah, answer that question. I answer that question. They're just question. an insect, yeah. like a mosquito that yep. does whatever it yeah. does, huh? We, when we were yeah. in Oak Openings, we were there for a field trip, and we came over a bridge, and there was a beehive under there, and they came out, and they, they swarmed. There was one casualty of one of our, you know, friends that just got stung, and I, we just ran. I mean, the most of us just ran, and other people stayed with him to try to help him out. <laughs> <laughs> Run for your lives. Run for your so, lives. There's, there's always going to be a casualty, I think, in that, so... Yeah, he probably yeah. got stung like 20 times, oh but you God. have to run. You don't have so. to run as fast as the wasp. You just have to run faster than the slowest person. So, you know, <laughs> they, get, they get it. <laughs> so what yeah, do you so. do if there's like a swarm on your barn near your horses? Do you call someone or? Very good question. Yeah, um, call, a, call a local beekeeper. Um, there's websites that advertise like the Ohio State beekeepers on their website have a drop down page of people that will pick up swarms and it's Mm. all by county so you can look up somebody from your county and come over beekeepers want swarms it's free bees Mm -hmm. so there's a hundred a hundred and fifty dollars hanging on your barn or whatever last year I got called to a a lean-to at somebody's Mm -hmm. horse's barn you know they swarmed up in the corner but they when they swarm they're very they're usually very docile they have everything they have to defend in their belly so when the bees swarm out of a hive they fill up on honey because they don't know how long it's going to be till they Mm -hmm. find Mm -hmm. a new home to set up so they they're carrying all their food with them the babies and all their excess foods back at the old hive so they're very docile um they they just hang out and they're trying to find a new home why do they leave the hive if it's something that they had and that's their home that's mother nature's way of making two hives out of one okay so bees have been on the face of the earth for about 10 million years so until man took over about two thousand years ago maybe three um bees would just split so in the spring they have all this honey coming in, the queen's laying like crazy. Well, pretty soon they start to run out of room. And that's kind of their trigger to the old queen and about half the workers take off to find a new home. They are raising a new queen back in the in the original hive and all the workers that are staying and all the new babies that are hatching stay and take over. So now mother nature just made two hives so that's so, in nature yep. that's not like when you guys are doing your beekeeping you guys add do you add we more boxes? we add more boxes as a beekeeper we try to keep all the bees at home that's a lot easier said than done mm-hmm. um we want the big workforce because the big workforce will make lots of honey to you know for us to eat or sell or whatever you want to do with it but they they still swarm. I got some hives that I, they swarm this spring. Um, mm-hmm. I we were talking about the wet weather. I got some lanes. I just couldn't get back. I got one hive or one group of hives. I've only been there twice all year because I can't get back because mm-hmm. it's too wet. Mm-hmm. 
I don't own a four wheeler. I'm, I'm, I got. I don't know if my tax man will let me, you know, ride off a four wheeler so I can go visit a few beehives. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so uh, it happens. It's just part of. It, bees are even though we ha- we own them and have them in a box in our yard. They're still mm-hmm. pretty much a wild animal. They're not domesticated. They pretty much. This is natural. Mm-hmm things that they do and we as humans try to manipulate it but mm-hmm. they still do pretty much what they want to do so when the bees swarm and say they're like in the shed um the queen bee is not with them it's nope. just the workers that nope. take there's, off there's there's a there's a queen the, with the them. old queen is in the middle them. she's she's hanging there and okay. it's usually wherever she kind of crash lands because she's the biggest they flying her, boy. They and they do. follow her so they will follow she's her. she gets tired she needs a rest mm-hmm. she you know we've picked up swarms just about everywhere i mean they could land on a fence post they could land on the edge of the barn yeah. it's usually a tree or something but mm-hmm. she lands and everybody groups around her so you got this big ball of bees mm-hmm. and so when they're, I've seen people take them and shake them right out of mm-hmm. a, a branch. But when they're in a, excuse me, when they're in like the shed like that, uh, I just wondered. I'm just curious. How do you kind of scoop them down and get them in? What do you do? Um, what the way I usually do it is I I always carry old frames with me, mm-hmm. some old dark frames that mm-hmm. smells like their old house. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they're they they're really attra- they're mm-hmm. really attracted to that. So I'll usually. Mm-hmm. If I got to, like, mm-hmm. scoop them like I scooped them off that barn is, I would put that frame up there and mm-hmm. let them start crawling on it. And then I will take a brush and just brush some okay. down on the frame mm-hmm. and put that in a box. And then take another frame, okay. brush some more. And you just keep brushing. And some of them are going to fly. So you just keep doing this. And if you find the queen and she goes in the box, that's go. it's like magic then. They all will follow her. So I usually do this a couple times, then I'll take a little break and see, you know, look around, see what goes on. If they're not getting too excited, well, then I scrape some more off because sometimes they're on a branch or on a tree yeah. where, you, like the trunk of the tree, you can't cut the tree down, no. you can't shake it, right. so you got to kind of brush them off. And mm-hmm. I and that was, works then. I yep, a couple weeks ago I was doing this and I brushed a few times and had a bunch of them in the box and then. I was taking my break to see what was going on. I had some phone calls to make, so I'm talking to a guy, and all of a sudden, all the bees start flying, and I'm going, oh, no. I'm just like agreeing with up. this. Uh, yep, 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 because I, I'm not sure if they're all getting ready to take off, like they're coming out of the box and the tree limb, and everybody's going to fly away or what. And by the time, you know, it's like one minute, and by then I get over there, and the, the the bees that were on the tree had decided the queen was in the box. We're all yeah. going to join uh-huh. her, and they were they fly around yeah. and they all go in the box. That's neat. If you put them on the ground, sometimes they call it marching, like soldiers. Hmm. She's in the box, and all the bees that are on the ground will just march right in the box because they huh. smell her. And mm-hmm. some of the bees will be out there fanning, and what they're doing is they have a gland on them mm-hmm. that's like this is the house. So they sit there and they they move their wings to fan air across it to drift the smell so everybody mm-hmm. else knows where home is. So sweet. So what do you do when the queen dies? Like how the queen has to die at some mm-hmm. point. How does a new queen become the queen? That That is the magic of 
bees. All right. Um, the queen, the queen is mated, so she lays fertilized and, but she can also lay unfertilized eggs. Hmm. So all the all the workers in the hive are girls. They are all a fertilized egg. The male drones are an unfertilized egg. Mm-hmm. So a- any fertilized egg has the potential to be a queen bee. And the way they do it is they take this egg. It's an egg for three days. It hatches into a little tiny larvae. And at that point, all the larvae get like, I think it's 12 hours of a substance called royal jelly. Royal jelly is a a glandular substance that the bees make themselves. They feed all the larvae for 12 hours. Well, the one they want to turn into a queen, she gets that for six days. Mm -hmm. So by feeding this larvae royal jelly, it converts it from being just a worker bee into a queen bee by what they feed it. So that's really like the magic. I mean, every worker bee has the potential to be a queen by what the other bees feed it. So it's spring, we're we're planning on swarming, so they will raise a whole bunch of queens. Okay. They don't raise just one to replace her. The other day I was in a hive, I think I came home with six virgin queens, plus some that weren't quite old enough. I know there was at least one live one in the hive because I've seen that. So they raise multiple ones, and they all they all hatch about the same time because the bees started them at the same time. So gestation period hmm. is all the same. The book will tell you the first one out will go around and try to kill our competition. So that will happen. If you let all the virgin queens run around in the hive, they will start to fight each other. And the queen stinger doesn't have a barb on it, so mm-hmm. she'll go around and try to sting it. They will sting them while they're still in a cell before they hatch. Mm-hmm. They will rip the side out and sting that little larvae. Wow. So I was cutting some open, and I'm looking, well, this one's not quite old enough. You know, if I would have gave it two or three days, it could have been a queen, but I got more queens than I know what to do with. But if I would just left it in the hive, Mm -hmm. the bees would have killed it anyway. So you kind of justify this. Mm. So as, as a beekeeper, I harvested a bunch of queens. I take them back. I put them in a a new box with some bees and a, and like a one frame of brood. Mm -hmm. And then they will, they're queenless so there's no queen in there so they will accept this new queen she will go out queens mate in the air outside the hive it's about the only time the queen will leave a hive is Hmm. to swarm or mate so she'll go out on a nice beautiful day she gets mated by some drones Hmm. and she comes back and then her job the queen's job basically is to lay eggs And she will lay up to 2,000 eggs a day in her prime during a spring season. So she she just lays eggs. She takes a break every once in a while, and the other bees come along. They feed her, they clean her, they take care of her, they groom her, and then she goes off and wow. lays off another bunch of eggs. It's pretty cool. So do the, um, do the worker bees take care of the queen, or do... What do the drones do then at some point? I mean, do they, you've got some of your drones, okay, they were with the queen, some were with the queen, some were not, then you've got drones in, in they, worker girl bees. Yep. Okay. And the drones, 
they don't have to do anything. They, they're so doggone lazy, they don't even feed themselves. They wait for the girls to come over and feed them. Really? So, and their their job mainly is to pass on genetics. In the, in the fall, though, you know, we got all these boy bees. It's September, right. October. Right. They're all hanging out in the hive watching... Cold. Watching TV, watching the football games, right. drinking beer or drinking right. the honey. The girls decide, hey, winter's coming. You guys aren't doing anything. We, it's time to get rid of you guys. And the girl bees will wrestle the boy drone bees out to the front entrance. And of course, if you're wrestling long enough, when you get to the front entrance and the girls let go of you, you fly away. You fly out, but they don't let you back in. Hmm. So kicked come end of the year, all the drones get, get kicked, kicked out, out to die from world? hypothermia, no, no, and it's no. it's a girl's world. Wow. <laughs> and then they stay inside, and they do fan or do whatever they need to do to keep the temperature just right through the winter. It, um, it is a very intricate it is. thing that they mm-hmm. do um, in the summertime. They, the bees generate heat. And the way they generate heat is they twitch their wing muscles, which is the biggest muscle in their body to generate heat because they're basically a cold-blooded animal, insect. So they generate heat by moving their muscles. to, And in the wintertime, they'll be in a big ball all together, and they're like shivering like if a whole room of us would get together and we all get in a mm-hmm. huddle and shiver mm-hmm. to keep mm-hmm. warm. That's basically what the bees do. They eat their honey. That's their food. They eat it all winter. The bees on the outside eat some honey. They pass it mouth to mouth to the other bees. In the summertime, like now, well, in spring, it'll start to warm up. They'll go outside. The bees don't go to the bathroom inside their hive. So they got to hold it during cold spells. So on a nice sunny day, even when it's like 40 degrees and there's no wind, the bees will come out, go to the Mm. bathroom, and come back in. Mm. So we like those nice, you know, a nice warm winter day so the bees Mm -hmm. can do their thing with lots of sun. They start laying eggs. they got to raise the temperature. They control, they keep their temperature in the hive around 92 degrees so the Hmm. ball of bees is always 92 amazing that they can do it's like the 92 degrees is crazy to me yeah so you can go in there on a cool day and put your hand Mm -hmm. over the hive open up and you can feel the heat coming out what they're generating well summer comes along and it's 92 degrees outside already Mm -hmm. so it gets too hot so they start fanning and you'll see bees on the front of the box and they're basically moving air just like like you would turn a fan on Hmm. so that's their air conditioning because they can't allow it get too hot in there Mm -hmm. or the baby bees will die and all that so we we have ways to try to let a little more air in for the bees we open up the entrance like wide open Mm kind of like open up the barn doors and turn the fan on for the horses same same kind of thing bees control all this they they gather water like all living things bees need water so they'll bring water in in the summertime and they you know just a little drop here a little drop there but by moving air across it it acts like a swamp cooler so Mm -hmm. that's as the water evaporates it's taking the heat away so that's how they help cool their hive and then it all repeats back in the winter time doesn't the humidity stay a certain level too in the yeah they control humidity Humidity in there there's 
Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure where their humidity is, but they they, they it, have an ideal humidity. Yep. yep. By moving that. water in, moving, getting rid of water in the summertime, they all the nectar that's coming in is mainly water that they dehydrate by moving air across it. So that's part of cooling of the hive is just drying the honey down. So my girls, I've seen them come in and they have on their the pollen on their legs call them their pantaloons but i know they probably have pockets i know it's pockets but it's from orange like a, a pretty orange to a yellow to almost a white and then my question is then is that just the flowers and then what do they do with the pollen and do you know how they make actually make the honey then in the oh yeah okay. okay the pollen the pollen's in the flower it's parts of the flower you know they need they the bees move the pollen in the flowers so the po the flowers pollinate and reproduce so but the bees are actually gathering that pollen to take back that's their protein source pollen's high high in protein so they take that they gather in a that pocket? well is it in a pocket it, in their legs or they have some static electricity on them, and actually, honeybees have—they're covered with hairs. It's not scaly. Mm -hmm. There's small hairs. The little pollen particles attract to it. The worker bee will stop every now and then, and she basically cleans herself. So she licks all this pollen up, and she deposits on mm -hmm. some really long hairs on the mm -hmm. back of her back leg, and it's called a pollen sac. So when she comes home, it looks like heavy. there's like two little BBs on her back legs, yeah, yeah. and pollen comes about any color under the sun. Okay. I mean, I've seen purple, I've seen hmm. red, I've seen white, it's brown, it's all colors. Different flowers have different colors of pollen, it doesn't matter what the f color of the flower is, in mm -hmm. fact, we used to always say when we'd see the the red in the spring oh they're in the the red bud trees till i was taking a picture of some bees in the red bud trees this year and they were covered with white pollen so mm -hmm. oh the, the pe petals are red but the the pollen's Pelt. white in those yeah. flowers so wow. oh we have to change that but there's lots of weeds lots of things that we clover whatever uh, they anything. love clover yeah. but i was mushroom hunting this spring in the middle of this woods and we stop and you know you're looking around for mushrooms and all of a sudden i hear bees buzzing and of course being a beekeeper i mean it would only take one bee and i'd go hey there's bees around here somewhere <laughs> and uh i look around and there's bees are on this plant and i couldn't even tell that there was a flower on it really? but it was something they mm. were attracted to oh, and there was bees all over it they were working the heck out of it so mm. in the middle of the woods mm -hmm. but they can find what they want so they 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 basically are gathering pollen to take back. They mix a little honey with it, and at that point, the beekeepers we call it bee bread. They basically mix just a little honey with this pollen. It kind of ferments, hmm. and then that's how they eat hmm. the pollen. They eat it, and then they regurgitate it, hmm. and that's what they feed to like the larvae and stuff. Hmm. That's what they use for their energy. So does the honey come from the, the, the pollen? Nectar. It the, comes, the, the honey comes from the other part of the plant in, or in the flowers, and oh. that's the nectar. Oh, okay. The nectar is a sweet, sugary substance that's in the flower. Mm. Um, it's mainly water, but the bees will have a, 
procepus is what they call their tongue, but it's more like a straw. And they will, you will see their tongue come mm. out. And like if you put a little drop of honey on something, you'll see their tongue come out mm. and pretty soon that drop's gone. So mm. they, they suck that up. The, uh, the worker bees basically have like a two-stage stomach. And then the first stage is called the honey pouch or the honey stomach. Mm -hmm. And the other one, they have a little valve between that, and then that's where all their food would go. So they hold all this honey in their honey stomach, cool. go back to the hive. You know, they suck all this up. She, She's full of honey. She can't hold it anymore. She goes back to the hive. She regurgitates it to another worker bee mm -hmm. okay. who will then take it and put it in one of the hexagons, yeah. you know, the honeycomb. Mm -hmm. Right. And they regurgitate it again, put it in there. Mm -hmm. But inside that pouch, there's special enzymes. And when those enzymes mix with the nectar, that's what converts it into honey. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes the honey bee very unique is it's the only bee that makes honey. Mm -hmm. All the other like native bees in mm -hmm. Ohio or anywhere, they they gather pollen to feed their bees, but they feed it pretty much straight pollen to their baby bees. So all bees are good. They all do some pollination. They all have their niche in mm -hmm. society in the Mother Nature's bee world or and ecological. But only the honeybee makes honey. Wow. When you Amazing. harvest the honey, then how do you know how much to harvest and how much to leave for them? Because you're taking their food source at that point, correct? Yep. And yep. the royal jelly, because that's well, extremely expensive. The royal from, jelly, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah um, I, most beekeepers don't harvest royal jelly. The royal jelly you're getting at like a health food store is coming probably from China because mm. they have cheap labor. Because when they're raising a queen, there might be... Oh, you know, each queen, I, I doubt there's even a 16th of a teaspoon in, like, what they're feeding. You know, we'll look at it and go, oh, man, look at all that royal jelly. But, mm -hmm. I mean, if you were going to put it in a measuring thing, it wouldn't be very much. Okay. And so you can see it. You can actually it. tell it. Is yeah. It, is it's, it it's, in a cell or is it just? It's in the cell that they're raising the queen. Okay. You know, okay. the the queen's, she isn't hatched out of a normal honeycomb because she's going to be bigger. She actually, they make, it looks like a really small peanut. Okay. And it will hang down and they put the royal jelly in there. But it's a, it's more whitish. It's, okay. um, I don't know how you want to. It looks different than the other It looks like cream. Like yeah, it looks real cream. It's thick. Huh. It's, mm. it's very thick because mm. you can scrape it out and hang it up. It won't run it's thicker than wow. than it would run so mm -hmm. it will just hang so that around i don't know of anybody that harvests that unless you're raising some you are raising queens also you might take a little bit the honey um i it's a it's kind of a guessing game um i i have certain boxes that i put honey in and usually the first box that the bees fill honey in the spring mm -hmm. early summer that's theirs that's yours mine's on top bees are hoarders and they're and they're big workers so as long as there's flowers for them to gather nectar and i give them space to store it they'll just keep working mm -hmm. 
if they and everything gets filled up and there's no place to put it one they'll they'll quit kind of quit working and two they might even swarm like off season mm-hmm. yeah springtime may end of may first of june is the big swarming season in northwest ohio but we get some late swarms in september sometimes and we think that some people's hives or the wild hives aren't near as big as ours they just run out of room so they think it's hey things are still good we gotta split so they'll Mm -hmm. and those bees are basically doomed because they'll when they take off they'll never the the season's not long enough anymore to gather enough nectar Mm -hmm. to convert to honey to make it through the winter so they they are really doomed um so i we just you just keep adding boxes and so like the bottom and it's like i said it's a guess you want to leave them about 70 80 pounds of honey going into winter mm-hmm. so a lot of times i'll go along my hives like early september and i just try to judge how much they weigh i try wow. to pick the wow. back up and if it's really light <laughs> if it's light you know i can move it then i will feed you know one i usually know how much honey is on and maybe i won't have taken any off sometimes we have you know crazy crazy years where actually dry years are better for making honey than wet years now we're going to have lots of flowers in the wet years Mm -hmm. but the rain washes the nectar out of the flowers so if it rains today there's not a whole lot of nectar tomorrow maybe two or three days in then there's a lot more nectar for the bees to gather so if it constantly rains like we're having this This year, year there's not a lot of honey i got i got hives now that should be just overflowing with honey and they got some but they're not overflowing i got small hives that are like borderline starving because mm-hmm. they're just not enough bees to go out and gather honey because there's just not enough to gather wow. so it's a crazy thing about five years ago we had a really wet fall and you know it's our honey season starts mid-may it goes through it usually ends the end of july mm-hmm. maybe the first of august and then it started raining i take my honey off starts raining the the bees aren't gathering anything then so now they're eating their winter supplies mm-hmm. at the end of summer going into fall and by the time fall came boy there was you know we were feeding sugar water and the reason we feed sugar water is it's it's full of sugar it's good you know it's not as good as honey for the bees but mm-hmm. it's beet starving so right. that's basically the reason we i feed sugar water is to prevent starvation in the winter time Mm -hmm. when it gets too cold they won't take honey so january i can't go out and feed them i I gotta have all the food in there before winter comes Mm -hmm. it's kind of like packing the barn full and and Mm -hmm. you can't reload the barn or it's Mm -hmm. very difficult to reload the barn once winter comes and speaking of the barn and hay i know um if we didn't have our bees, though, to pollinate all that good hay and clover hay and so forth, we just wouldn't have the same amount of probably yield if we didn't if we wouldn't have anything if we didn't have our yeah. bees. So mm-hmm. they're important to all of us for all yeah, the work that um, they do. And yeah, yeah, it's estimated that like three out of every five bites of food you eat can be related to a bee. Mm-hmm. You know, like corn, beans, wheat, rice. Uh, most of our grains are not bee pollinated they're wind pollinated 
but all of our fruits and vegetables and you, you know you can look at your alfalfa well what's that well to raise alfalfa seed needs to be that flower has to be pollinated mm-hmm. same with clover mm-hmm. that flower needs to be pollinated if you're going to raise the mm-hmm. next generation of seed for it mm-hmm. so bees are really important for for us and for a lot of animals um if you were just going to feed your horse grass grass is wind pollinated that's one thing. I guess I guess you but, don't need the bees then. But we do love our yep. alfalfa and our different mixes of hay. So um if someone did want to get into bees and they, you know, are thinking about their hay and their food sources and things like that, do you feel um I know it's a hard hard <laughs> question to answer, but do you feel like it would be a hard thing to tell somebody to, you know, get started into bees? You had said before, contact somebody that knows about your bees, go to your local bee um, group or whatever and start to learn and but it all helps oh. the bees help all the mm-hmm. way around for everybody because they go all over so to speak for pollination and so forth yeah um yeah. the bees the bees can find whatever they like best in your neighborhood um we've grown we have a black locust tree in our yard and black locust tree is supposed to be like the bees one of their favorite things hmm. and this year is the first year that i've ever seen bees in my tree because mm-hmm. there must be something better when it's blooming mm. that the bees go to first. Wow. Uh, we're finding out that soybeans in Northwest Ohio are a big honey crop and mm. the bees are working it. But since the flowers are underneath the foliage, we don't see the bees flying around a lot, but we're finding lots of soybean pollen. So mm-hmm. this year with the late planting going on, I know my bees are going to have food longer in August, maybe even mm-hmm. September, which is good for our bees because I I basically tell people that when uh, my bees start flying in February, when the maples start blooming, they'll fly all the way to November. They need flowers from February to November mm-hmm. to make food for them. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people I tell, you know, you don't have to have bees to help the bees grow grow flowers that the bees like any you know the seed catalogs have a whole list of pollinator friendly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and flowers all those and type and, of thing. Yep. yeah um or you know if you're if you got a alpha alpha if you let the let it bloom for a little bit that's better than nothing i know the protein contents you know ideal for i know cattle i don't know about horses right when it starts to bloom so a lot mm-hmm. of people cut it but if you would let it bloom for a little bit, you know, every little bit helps. And we all can help the bees and by letting flowers grow, let let the clover and dandelions grow in mm-hmm. your home lawn. You know, mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to convince people that this immaculate green lawn is basically a green desert for, for all the insects. Um, the butterflies, we've been, some of the things that we do i help some i have some family that rate that do row crops and several years ago they were growing some wheat for a landowner that wanted to do some tiling i go hey when that wheat's off can we plant buckwheat in there bees just love buckwheat Mm. and it it blooms fairly fast like Mm. four weeks from planting it'll be blooming six weeks it's gone so we can plant that and Mm. the first year wasn't too good so we tried it the second year and you know the moon sun everything aligned it was perfect (laughs) and you could park your truck there get out of the truck 
and as soon as you shut the key off, you could hear the bees humming in this mm. field. It was just moving. There were so many bees in there, and it was humming, mm. and that hooked my cousins on we're growing buckwheat every year. That's just awesome. because, cool. you know, once they see this go on and yeah. go, well, this is this is good for everybody. And so mm-hmm. we, we got to convince everybody. We all have played a part in wanting that immaculate green lawn and everything's got to be perfect. Come back and, to where it should be right. so we and can, yeah, have so our, yeah. So we're, we're getting back. Ecology and, the way we need right, it, exactly. Yeah. As this is part of it. beekeeper groups, we're trying to work, we're finally, after so many years of pleading with like the state, we're trying to get them to plant along the interstate, yeah. go back to planting wildflowers and mm-hmm. stuff be instead nice. of just pretty being, to look at too. Yeah, mm-hmm. instead of just the green grass. Yeah. And it, but it's it's going to be a slow process because we you, you always have those people that just want that perfect mm-hmm. lawn and they think that if they buy a flat or two of flowers at the Walmart store that that's going to help, but mm-hmm. it takes Doesn't lots it? of flowers. I brought a one-pound jar of honey in Wonderful. here, and mm. to for the bees to gather enough nectar to make this one pound of honey, mm-hmm. it takes two million flowers wow. for for this one jar of honey. So, little if hard you go, workers. Yeah, if you go to the grocery store and see a one-pound jar of honey, think about it, it was two, two million, million flowers. flowers to make that jar of honey. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of the honey, then um, just talking about some of the different, like uh, the fields you're talking about of the flowers and that type of thing. Uh, honey tastes different. It's local to you know if it's local in your area. We also talked about like you know helping with perhaps allergy, but also that the honey will taste different so does the buckwheat honey does i mean it, how does it is it sweeter you know different honeys taste different just to, in, from yeah. different do your honey taste different from year to year it does okay yep so um every different seasons are different um mm-hmm. it's my if i'm sorting honey the spring honey and i usually call spring honey anything's made before the fourth of july is my lightest color honey June, you know, end of June, end of July is what most people know as the honey color. It's yellow, you know, mm-hmm. dark yellow, kind of orangey color. And then later in the year, we get some goldenrod, some other asters. That honey will even be darker yet. Buckwheat is completely black. It oh. looks like molasses, mm. tastes like molasses. Mm. I'm not a big fan. I'm, I, I, do, I don't care for it. But we have a good clientele that love our darker honey. Mm. My wife puts it on oatmeal in the wintertime. She really likes it. Mm. Um, what we mm. usually sell is we'll, we mix other honeys with it. And I relate honey to like wine. You know, different mm-hmm. years, the wines taste different. Mm-hmm. The drier years, the as the bees are trying to dry this liquid down, just imagine when it's hot and humid and you're trying to dry it down you just won't dry very fast mm-hmm. but like on the drought years they'll make a lot of honey and it's always a little sweeter because i think they get more of the water out of it so there's actually more sugar in it mm-hmm. you know in that jar so instead of a, we we have a little tester i can test my honey to see how much moisture is in it Honey, honey won't spoil as long as you get it below 18% moisture. More than 18%, it will spoil, and it basically turns to mead. And mead is fermented, fermented honey. It's about like making wine. Mm-hmm. 
hmm. but it'll do it on its own. But once you get it below 18%, there's not enough moisture in it, and it will keep forever. Hmm. So the bees know the bees know this. This is some of the other amazing thing. They know when that honey is concentrated enough, it won't spoil, and then they cover it with a layer of wax. So as a beekeeper, if it's covered with wax, I know it's harvestable. Sometimes hmm. at the end of the year, there's no more honey coming in so we're not going to expend any energy to make wax to mm -hmm. put over the honey so we're just going to leave it as is and that's where a lot of times I'll test it to make mm -hmm. sure that mm -hmm. my honey's dry enough that it won't spoil if it's there's too much moisture in it it usually goes back out to uh, a hive of bees that maybe won't oh. have won't have enough honey to get through the mm -hmm. winter so instead of feeding them sugar water they get some of this okay. honey that's too wet for us to eat mm. wow Mm. Wow. There's Is there a, a way to keep to it. it from crystallizing? No. <laughs> uh, it all, all real honey will eventually crystallize, and that's basically it's going through a chemical process because there's so much sugar in it. It's They call it a super concentrate of sugar. It basically is trying to find neutral, and when it turns into, it crystallizes and turns into a solid, it's going into like a neutral state. Mm and when it crystallizes you warm it back up in a pan of water or, or very gently in the microwave and it will turn back to a liquid but that's just the normal process all i got a couple tons of honey at home and it's all crystallized but that's a good sign because a, it's you it's told real. us before it's, it's it real. means it's real um mm -hmm. corn syrup some of the um the reason we really push buying local honey from a local beekeeper, you can trust it. Mm -hmm. the The honey that you buy at the store is probably not a hundred percent, but if it's coming from more than one country, if it's not a product of the USA, if it's a product of Canada, Brazil, <laughs> and everything else, there's probably Chinese honey in it, and we're pretty sure that the Chinese water some of their honey down with rice syrup or corn syrup it's a lot cheaper mm -hmm. it won't crystallize either um, when we first got into beekeeping my wife got this cookbook out and it said the old germans wouldn't buy honey till they it crystallized because then they knew it was real mm. and wasn't cut with like mm. corn syrup or something so and so the local yeah. honey for allergies, is that something that you want to buy honey that's actually right in your area, or does it matter if it's just local to any area, you could eat that honey? Um, if you're buying the more local, the, you will have particles of pollen. The, the theory behind eating local honey is there's always some pollen mixed in with the honey. It just happens as mm -hmm. the bees are gathering the nectar there's some pollen particles that are going to get gathered and mixed in the pollen particles are what you're allergic to so by eating the local honey you're getting this little dose of local mm. pollen mm -hmm. that either you is good for you or has been making you have a stuffy nose mm. the theory is it's like getting an allergy yeah. shot and it should help your Bring allergies. It on a little bit at a time, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, th th it, there's been some research. It's hard to. I'm sure it's hard if, in the research mm -hmm. world to test this on this person and this person and this person. So, um, 
plus the people doing the research are the chemical companies who are right. making the pill the mm -hmm. you know the pills that make you better so they don't right. want this to work mm -hmm. i won't tell you that my honey will cure any allergies mm -hmm. no nothing in fact i tell people you know we grew we live in the black swamp are you mm -hmm. sure you're allergic to pollen or are you allergic to moles sure so, but I do have people, I could have a testimonial book, a couple inches thick of people that just swear if they're taking a teaspoon or a tablespoon of honey every day that they do not take Claritin anymore. Their mm. allergies seem to go away. Do you know of anything else that you feel honey is good for too? Not that we're saying that you're, you know, um, we're just saying what people yeah. have told you or whatever this is, By, you know, yep. that honey They use... There's a lot of re new, newer research putting it on wounds, like hmm. cuts, because it's antimicrobial and bacterial. So they're they're putting it on. You can buy band aids, you know, with some honey in it. It's hmm. like an antiseptic. Hmm. Um, I know. I'm sure there are probably some home remedies for like horse wounds and stuff to That's smear the hun yeah, honey on, maybe and so. right. it helps with right. you know keeps it soft it probably heals better stuff right. won't grow in it well that's true yeah so, keeping it supple exactly because yeah. that's so a big thing my wife was a rn at uh at, at a hospital and one of the doctors told her oh yeah they're using honey on some of the wounds so i mm, told her wow. i go he happened to be a honey customer but he was eating it but i said you know if uh for, if he eats it, it's one price. But if he's using it for medicine, it's <laughs> about four. Another, it's about pharmaceutical four, price. Yeah, it's the pharmaceutical yeah. price instead of the so, honey price. There you go. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, there's, mm -hmm. you know, it's been around for thousands sure of has. years, and they've been using it. You know, that found was found it in the pyramids, haven't they? Oh yeah. Still, just yeah. and it's all, you know, I mean, it's still, crystallized, but it's still honey. edible. It's still good to yep. eat. That's, yep. that's yeah, crazy. In the pyramids. Yep. Yeah. I eat food. Yeah. Well, all right. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening to our podcast and encourage you to share with all your equestrian family and friends. You can tune into the Late Night Riders podcast show every Friday night. Each episode will be uploaded exclusively on YouTube, where you can subscribe to our channel to stay up to date with all of our latest shows. Do you have a topic you'd like to discuss? We want to hear from you. You may email us at podcast at rampants.com or feel free to leave a comment below. Thank you again for listening. Thank, Thank you, Roger. You.